Welcome to the podcast series, Small Business Survival Conversations. Through our weekly conversations, we hope to provide you with strategies and insights, knowledge and expertise to enlighten you as you work to build and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Anna Steinfest and Dr. Michael Troyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Small Business Survival Conversations. This is Michael Troyer, and I'm here with my colleague, Anna Steinfest. Hello, everyone. And we have the delight this morning, a chance to speak and converse with a colleague of ours, Paul Tutsky. He finished his BA degree at St. Norbert College, which is a wonderful college here in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Got his master's degree from Concordia University. He's been an important board member of the Packers Mentor Protege Program through the years and, and been a mentor for small businesses multiple times. Uh, he's also a mentor through SCORE. He, in his career, became the director of, fran- of franchising at Snap-on Tools, which is a ma- major American company that provides tools to mechanics across the U.S. and probably international. I wouldn't be surprised if you tell us that, Paul. But he started the franchise model for that company, and it's been very, very successful. So, Paul, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Do you have anything you want to add to to what we said? You, you're, you're no longer at Snap-on. You're supposedly retired, but people like yourself don't really retire. You just move on to other good things. <laughs> no, thank you, Michael. That was, uh, that was a, a, a good summation. I joined Snap-on not too long after I graduated from St. Norbert, and they were a $110 million company, which I thought was pretty large. But when I left them, they were over $3 billion. And so I was given many, many opportunities. <laughs> and it was, just, it was a, a fun and great career. Think very highly of the company and what they've evolved into from when I started. So uh, good people did that. A lot of good people. And in that franchising process, I'm assuming you really helped get, you were selling the opportunity to sell tools to mechanics to other small businesses across the country who became a a franchise of Snap-on, who drove around and worked their market of mechanics and others who needed good tools. So you've got a lot of small business experience. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, if if you look at the beginnings of Snap-on, it was always a direct sales type of business format. And when we decided to franchise, we had, before that, we had simple dealer agreements and but we really acted in the ftc's mind federal trade commission's mind we acted more like a franchise than a independent dealer business so we determined that it would be best for the company to franchise our dealers so we started a drew a line in the sand and everyone starting from a certain point became in as a franchise and then we converted we had a conversion process for all the existing dealers and it became very successful and you know one of the things it did was gave consistency to the customers before that it wasn't you know the weak link the weak dealer in the in the chain would really bring down other good dealers and the franchise allowed us to really sit down as a company and say what do we do? How do we do it? That was quite a challenge. It took about two years just internally coming up with a really what we were and what we expected from our distribution chain and how we went about it. And it was a, it was a good exercise. And when you're in franchising, probably the most 
there, there are a lot of agreements. It's, it, it, there's a lot of legalese, but the most important thing is an operations manual because that says this is what we do and this is how we do it. And I think that's very, very true for any small business that they document their processes as part of their business plan and and follow those follow those rules that they decide for themselves. You know, how, how am I going to go to market? And what do my customers expect? And what do I intend to give them? And uh, so that that was a wonderful opportunity for me. That is fantastic, Paul. Just, I mean, for our listeners, I just would like to repeat a few things you just mentioned, and I hope they write it down, uh, having operational manual where they have to document the process. This mm -hmm. is extremely important. If something happened to one of your employees or to yourself, if somebody else come in, they should be following the same process and you will right. be still in business and consistency. That is extremely, extremely important. I have a question for you. What was the most challenging experience you faced during your business career? And what did you learn from your experience? That's a good question. And I, you know, there were a lot of challenges because I had a long career, but I, it really came down to um, the hardest thing was innovation, continually finding a better way, even be it small, to do something that it would be deemed better for your customer. And, and to me, it's all about the customer. If you take care of customers, they'll take care of you. That's what I've learned. So always trying to improve what you do. You know, if you get caught in a rut and you just kind of do the same old thing, sooner or later you become obsolete. And when I first started in business, um, I remember someone had this uh, little sign that their wife had crocheted on their wall. And I looked at it and it said, if you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're not far from rotten. And that <laughs> always stuck with me. 45 years later, I still think of that. And I think it's a, it's good in small business that you don't just get into a rut and decide, I don't need to innovate. Uh, innovation is difficult, and but it's important in the business. They always grow and do something a little bit better. I used to do a lot of strategic planning, and I, I always said status quo is the thing you should fear most, Yep, which is the same sure. thing you're saying, frankly. Yeah. You, once you get in that rut, it's dangerous. What did you learn about uh, fostering innovation? That continues, I sense, to be a problem across so many businesses. How do we, how do we think in more innovative, fresh, creative terms? I think it comes down to, in my opinion, revisiting your business plan and your goals, which shouldn't be too many goals, but looking at the customer and saying, you know, what can I do better for them? And, and involving everyone in your company. Um, if it's just you, if it's you and a mentor, if it's, you know, a couple employees and a mentor, or, you know, it really doesn't matter, but just saying, here's what I did, look at what you've done, and then what can I do in the future to make that a little bit better? And I think it comes back mostly, a lot of times it comes back to the processes in a business, but it also can be uh, innovation in a product or innovation in a design. It depends on what the, you know, obviously it depends a little bit about how, what the business does, but 
if you foster a theme of innovation in your company, in your small business, it will help. And again, innovation is just a little thing. It doesn't have to be big, just little things. And I think I think Kaizen, I remember say, mm-hmm. learning that term and thinking it was, I called it rapid inch up. Just doing a, something a little better, not not you know to you know knock it out of the park, just something a little better of what you do. I also like your comment about bringing in the employees and making them a part of that. Uh, I used to use uh, used to develop something called a SWATA list. The letters simply yep. stand for the the stupid stuff we do around here, and it's fun because it, they'd put together quite a list of the things that could be improved. Nobody was asking them. Uh, they needed to be asked that question. And then they really got wrapped up in helping to put those things in place. That's the other thing I think companies, small businesses need to do on a frequent basis. And certainly starting out is a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And you're right, Michael, that you know, in people around you, customers, everyone will help you, gladly help you come up with an innovation, a better way to do things. And it's sort of funny, if you go through your processes and map it out, after a period of time, you find a lot of redundancy in those processes, which are an expense that, that costs money. So becoming lean in, in your business and doing, it applies to small businesses, to big businesses. And the businesses that su- succeed and that can last in this com- country or this world, you know, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 25 years, it's because they're not stagnant. Paul, you mentioned about putting some goals, and I hear you talking about revisiting your processes. How mm-hmm. often did you do that? Did you do it once a year? Because right now, as you can imagine, it is December, and every small business owner, not the small business, even large um, companies, they just kind of start revisiting their goals. What is your um, recommendation? How often did you do it? I, my recommendation is quarterly. And if you do it quarterly, you know, you may find you do it three times a year. <laughs> but if you wait and try to do it once a year, you'll end up missing two or three years. And the goals will change. And I advise businesses, especially small businesses, don't try to tackle 10 or 11 goals. Two or three goals is plenty. Because if you can accomplish that and then review it and see what you need to change, and some of the goals will change. But I've always been this believer in it's magical, but if you write down a goal, somehow it gets in your brain and your employees' brains, and it happens. It's <laughs> just like magic. Because <laughs> it happens. I think it you don't, but you have to commit it to paper and reason it through. And again, everyone in your company has to buy into it. I, I don't think small businesses become bigger businesses because of one person. It, it's always a group. And to me, the probably the most valuable thing I ever learned in my life in business was that information is free. So if you hold all the information inside and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really important because I have all this information, you're destined to fail. You have to let it out and let other people get involved. I think you've covered, and in fact, when I was going to ask what are some of the principles one really needs for a small business today, and I think you hit one, which is, to me, communication more than you think you need to communicate for that very reason. It's easy for people to say, you know, I want to be transparent. It is difficult to to do that. (laughs) It is 
as a leader, it is very difficult to really be transparent. You have to be very conscious of what you're doing. And that's where the business plan helps in reviewing it. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get to come back and review what you've done for the good or for the poor. You know, and that's why I like SWOT analysis is because it really makes you stop and look at where you are at that moment in time and then where you, where you think you can go. As you look at the small business uh, environment today, uh, what would you say are some of the most significant challenges these small businesses who might be listening in today are going to have to are going to be facing? And what are some of the greatest opportunities that that might be out there that they and I'm, this is a, a pretty general question. I apologize, but are there some general things we should be saying about both accepting some challenges that, that are ahead of them and and looking for those opportunities? Challenges today, you know, there's so much. I guess you call it social media, and you have to manage that. And, um, that can get out of hand, I think. But um, <laughs> but if businesses will um, focus on what they do best and what they can do better and not worry about the macro environment, the economy, and we're going to go through recessions and we're going to have inflation over time and you know, one of the benefits of being older is that you say, hey, I live through all these things. And sometimes it's good to just turn a blind eye and say, okay, there's still opportunities. If inflation is, or, you know, the cost of money, whatever it is, is an obstacle. There's still more opportunities for you and you can overcome those difficulties. If you just turn a blind eye to all the external issues. And I listen a lot to Bloomberg radio when I'm driving and, I love it, but it's always the same thing. It's just like everyone's trying to figure out, you know, all the bad things and it's all sensational. And, you know, block that stuff out. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Looking looking at your core business, it's extremely yeah. important. Because I mean, the customers just... still need, need things. And, and, I, and I don't, you know, I, I see this in some of the protégés we have is that they get stuck on features and they forget about the benefits. And I hear you guys talk about it on the podcast quite a bit, but I think that's still an issue because they kind of forget. They get in this little cocoon and they forget about the big world out there and all the opportunities. And there's so many opportunities because there's customers and customers need things fixed and solved. Um, and they need someone they can depend upon. And that's where that consistency comes. If you're consistent taking care of your customers, they'll take care of you. And they'll give you another chance and another chance. I do have a little issue with Zoom now because I, I do think when you're face-to-face -face with people, you tend to get more opportunities for complimentary rather than, you know, and Zoom it's a little bit tougher because it's hard to read the faces and you can listen to things, but it's, it's just not quite the same. So if you can get face-to-face -face with a customer, I, I still think that's important even in the modern you know, marketing of the digital world is just amazing to me. And I, I use it all the time. I mean, I, Google is something I, <laughs> I live by. Um, and it's so easy to find information. It's not always, you have to sometimes question its authenticity, but it's there and it's very accessible. But there's still nothing to me like a face-to-face -face with people. 
I really take that to heart, Paul. Uh, I, I've worked with a number of clients, uh, and of course, in the mentoring practice too, with a protege program. Uh, and Zoom was great, but the meetings have been richer and gone longer when it's been face to face. And I know yes. part of it's body language and reading where the other person is. I think part of it's just psychological. You warm up and talk with each other, and ideas flow when you're in front of one another, and and they come less easily through this media through Zoom. I, I agree with you, Dr. Troy. I think that's, <laughs> but, you know, but it, again, the digital world is important. It, it's given us opportunities I've never seen before. I mean, it is important, but they should still go back and yes. what do they solve yes. for the customer? Like you yeah, said, and, you know, I had a customer, Toyota, um, great customer. I learned so much from Toyota. And one of the things they used to tell me is that when I give a proposal, they wanted to know who was the one throat to choke. So if something went bad, who could they go to? In that case, it was our president and CEO. And it, fortunately, he was engaged and he didn't mind that. But I was thinking I was coming from a pretty large company being $2 million at that time and walking into companies that were $160 billion. I mean, $2 billion, and they were going to companies $160 billion. Um, I was a peanut. <laughs> so they wanted to know, they wanted to be rest assured that whatever I said, I could back it up. And if I couldn't do it, that they'd find someone that would, they could go to. So it was a, it was a good lesson for me. Cause I, I was not as important as I thought I was. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that phrase. Uh, whose throat to choke? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love that too. That's yes. <laughs> In broader terms, uh, and we're not necessarily talking to companies out there that are being mentored, but how do you view the the mentoring role that you've experienced, and what would you say as to its its role to play for a small business owner? In their early I think stages? it's incredibly important, and. Even outside the Green Bay Packer protege, mentor protege program, which I think is just tremendous, I think that's the neatest. It's the neatest thing I've I've ever seen. But it's important for small businesses to have mentors, people they can bounce ideas off. And I like the alumni program. I think that's a great place to go. But you always have to be again thinking and innovating. So the the mentor plays a huge role if it happens to be this group or another, you know, other individuals. And I, as a mentor, and I really enjoyed being a mentor in this program, but I, you learn, you just can't tell them what to do all the time. You just have to offer suggestions and review and let them run the business. You're not there to run their business. You're there to help them understand their business and understand where they want to go or where they can go. One of the biggest ones is segmenting your customers. Oh yeah, that's that's huge. Very, Thank very you, important. Paul, for bringing that. Yes, very important for small businesses to figure out who their customers are today and who they want them to be tomorrow. But you have to document that. And, and I I tend to see small businesses they want to do everything for everybody all the time, and, and it's just not possible. No. Uh, someday it could be, but that's why uh, you know. And I'm proud of Snap on it because they're 102 years in business. That's a long time. And you don't do that without trials and tribulations. And I can remember several times in the company, I thought we we're going to go out of business. I thought this is it, but 
we got through because of good people and good customers. And I think how, as a, a lover of tools, how much tools have changed in the, that okay. span of time you just yep. talked about. What you're selling today is very different from way back when. Yep. Snap-on was founded on the idea that it used to be that handles and sockets were attached. So if you wanted an L-shaped handle and a 916th or a T-handle 916th, we had separate tools. And the founder of our company worked for a company that they were selling these tools. And he said, you know, I, I think it'd be better if we just could interchange handles with socket. And they said, no, we won't do that because we won't sell as many units. Missing the innovation for the customer. So the man asked permission from his company if he could go out on his own. I said, sure. And that was the beginning. It was called Snap Tools beginning, but then a <laughs> steel salesman said, yeah, you should call this Snap-on. And that's how it happened. Wow. That was you know, 102 years ago. Wow. That's really interesting. I love origin stories about how, how things evolved the way they did. That's that's very neat. You started one-man show, too, Paul, is a lot of our listeners. You know, they are running their business as a single owner. But, you know, yeah. like you said, I, if they follow your recipe... I think they will be very successful and write it down because yes, I you totally to write agree it down. with you. Yes, it's hard to write it down because you have to face the truth when you write it down. <laughs> yes, yes. But Absolutely. that's important. In business plan, a lot of businesses, they don't pay attention to the business plan, but I think it's extremely important tools for the business, yes. for the businesses to go back, review it, and like you said, and face the truth. Why have we not changes. done? It's going to change, and that's okay. You just you just need to know. I, I, I always, you know, people say this; it's no same. But you know, if you want to get from New York to Los Angeles, it's better to do it with a map. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You don't have a. Oh, now you have. A, uh, it's all digital on the car now, but it, it's fantastic. I mean, but you have to know where you're going. You you can't do that without a business plan. It's so basic, but it's oftentimes missed or abused. And, I, it, and there's so many examples on Google. You can go to anywhere, including uh, Green Bay Packer website. There's, mm -hmm. it, it's not a difficult thing to do. It's just time consuming. Mm -hmm. And you just have to, but it makes you ask yourself questions. Yes. What is it I do? What's my mission? What do I want to do? What am I good at? Mm -hmm. And some of the small businesses I see, some of the protégés, it's really a hobby that's become a business, mm -hmm. photography or you know, a floral shop. or um, And that's okay, but it can't be a hobby anymore. It has to be a business. It's amazing to me when, when it gets written down, it becomes much more real, first of all. And and I've always argued a, 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 a business plan is a communication tool mm -hmm. I mean, because you need to share it, because you need others to yeah. look at it. And then the question, somebody gave me the question once, after you've written a set of goals and you need to pare it down to the two or three, I agree, usually too many, they set too many goals. But the other question I ask is, what has to be true for us to for, to achieve these goals? What has to be true? Because those are the assumptions that are hidden underneath our goals. And if we can't make those to come true, the goal isn't going to be achieved. Yeah, I mean, they have to be achievable goals. Mm -hmm. yeah. To put something down that's a pie in the sky type of thing, it's not you're just going to be frustrated. So they should be small incremental goals. And that's the beauty of 
the importance of reviewing that at least quarterly, if not, should do it monthly probably, but um, at least quarterly with everyone in your, you know, in your circle of influencers and employees, because then you can see where you stand against those goals and they sh- should be achievable because success is about that, achieving a goal. As as uh, you look back at the conversation we've had today, is there any one last statement of, of importance that you'd like to share from your life's experience as a business person? Yeah, I really said, asked the questions I think that are important, but if there's a single thing, I'll go back to it. It's just a business plan. It's, okay. it's so, so fundamental, but it's often not done. Probably the thing I see the most is it not done, it's not kept current. And um, you know, time goes pretty quickly. <laughs> and you, one year becomes two years and three years. And if yes. you don't do that business plan, you're setting yourself up for failure. And if you fail, you're going to go out of business. Absolutely. And, and I think you're so right. I've seen in small businesses is that sometimes the financials, they don't pay attention to where the money's coming from, where it's going. And you should pay yourself, but you should pay yourself and know it. And you, you can't kind of steal from the business and expect it to succeed. Because if you say, I, you know, I'm going to take $1,000 a month to run my business, that's what I pay myself. But you end up actually taking two or $3,000 and kind of pretending it didn't happen. You're going to go out of business. Paul, we, we thank you from the depth of our hearts for your taking time today to, to visit with us. Know that you're going to be worldwide and people are going to be listening and writing notes and, and learning from what you've shared with right. us today. So we are. Well, I think it's a great program and I, I appreciate everything you both do. And Anna, I mean, it's just, you know, when I moved to Green Bay and I found about, out about this program, it's just been a delight to be part of it. I'm very proud of it. Thank you so much, well, Paul. You. You, you have been an incredible asset to us, and especially today, all the wisdom. Even if they take one wisdom, like you said, just the business it's plan and visiting it, that's that's ahead of uh, their competition. And, and work that business plan quarterly. Uh, you can't just put it on the wall it's, or on the shelf. It's got to be used. Oh. Yep. It's a dynamic process. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you. You've been listening to the Small Business Survival Conversation Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. In the meantime, hook up with us on our Facebook group at Small Business Survival Tools and Tips. Till next time, thank you for listening.